Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning. It's good to see everybody here. Well, since Easter, we've been looking at aspects of what it would be like to to have God author our life story. And many of you have done that. You have decided to commit your life to follow Jesus Christ at some point in your life. Many of you, that was years ago. Uh, Some of you, you made that decision to ask Jesus to lead your life only a few weeks ago. We actually have uh, several that in the last few weeks since Easter have decided to follow Christ. And even this morning, we had another person commit their lives to Christ. And so it's just exciting to see people uh, processing that, getting clarity on that, and then deciding to to follow Christ. And, and others of you, you're here, you're, you're, you're considering that decision, and, and you, you ought to. If you're processing that, you want to count the cost. You don't just want to rush into a major decision like this, because following Christ, as we've talked about, it, it is, uh, it, it's, it's a journey. It's the, we've been looking at some passages of Scripture, and the description of the Christian life is it's, it's a race, but it's, it's got ups and it's got downs. And so it's something to process. And so we're just grateful that you're all here this morning. And as you saw in that video, we're looking today at the issue of going, uh, of going forward. I decided to go, she said. She said, unfortunately, some people leave portions of their story unwritten or pages unwritten and unwilling to take the risks that come. Uh, some people would prefer to play it safe. So we're going to look at this issue today as we look at deciding to go forward in faith. And there, it's true, there are risk takers in life. And I don't know if you would call yourself a risk taker or if you would say, oh, I'm somebody who just plays it safe. I, I pre, pre, what's the word I'm looking for? I prefer, I prefer the predictable. So there are risk takers and there are the non-risk takers. And, and, and what, what about you? Are you a risk taker or are you more of a, I play it safe, and, and I, I think it probably depends on the issue, and I, I think it, de- it depends on how close to the heart or to your heart is, is the issue of risk. And so let's have some fun with this for a few moments. I'm going to put some pictures up here on the screen. You decide if you're a risk taker in these areas or somebody who prefers to play it safe. So first one is this. Trying new foods. Trying new foods. Risk taker? Play it safe. Okay, I remember the first time I had sushi, and the question was like, one, is it dead? Are we sure? <laughs> and are those eggs on the top? What is it? What are, what are all those things? And, and uh, you know, there are those that would say, yeah, bring on the new foods, and I want to try new things. I'm always, I'm always trying new cuisines. And then, and then there are others that would be like, none of that new food. It's all meat and potatoes. Just give me my meat and potatoes. That's all I want. You know how I like it. You know how to prepare it. Don't change it up. What'd you do different? This isn't this isn't standard. There's something different. You like your steak cooked a certain way, and this is just the way it needs to be done. So, how about this one? Here's another image. This is speed dating. Okay. If you're not single, then you you don't need to speed date. Okay. <laughs> Speed dating is like, you know, as you can see, there's this line of people, and 
you get a few minutes, I guess, to get to know the person in front of you, and then when the buzzer rings, you shift chairs and you start talking to the next person. You know, that's pretty risky, right? Or maybe not. Some would say, is that, you know, is that risky? And are you willing to speed date for those of you who are single? No? Okay, how about play it safe? Play it safe? Okay. <laughs> what if we did that in here? Is that safer? I mean, <laughs> no? All right, here's another one. Are you willing to explore new places? Destinations. You know, exotic destinations. All-inclusive where there's excursions. Does that sound exciting to you? Yeah, sounds exciting for some of you. Or, you know, nope, nope, not me. Not me. I got this one spot I like to go to. It's predictable. I go there every day. It's called my backyard. (laughs) Yep. I got it just the way I like it. It's my chair. It's my table. It's my tree with my shade. If I want to change it up, I'll get a lemonade. I don't have to go with water. I get a lemonade. Change up the beverage. How about this? Here's another. Sports. Are you willing to take risks and play new sports, try new sports? This is a picture of our softball tournament from, from last Sunday. Beautiful picture there. You know, and for some of you, I think it was like the risk was, do I want to play softball, and will I still be able to walk on Monday? <laughs> Who is honestly asking that question? Anybody? There's a few. Now, for me, I had to prep for this, for softball. I don't think it was doping. I would prefer to just, I took 600 milligrams of ibuprofen about an hour before playing. I wouldn't call it doping. It was just preparation. And, uh, and I had my bottle of pain relievers in my bag, and I was ready for every few hours just to, just to stay ahead of the pain. But I saw people out there taking risks. They were hitting doubles, and they were trying to turn it into a home run. And I'm like, where does he think he's going? I mean, he's going to get thrown out. And I was actually one of those at one point. I went for three, and I should have just stayed at two, and I got thrown out at third. But how about this one, another one, real estate. Do you buy property? The market, it fluctuates. It goes up and down. Some of you, would you say, yeah, I'm a risk taker. I want to I I take that risk. For others, you'd say, that's just too risky. I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to wait until the market gets a little more stable. Or, or if you own property, it's, well, hey, let's, let's, rent, let's buy some rental properties. And there, you know, there's some risk involved in that. But you know, some would say high risk, high Reward, right? And so you got to take the risk. Another one. Do you, do you risk in this way? Starting up a business. Maybe you have an idea and you're like, I've always wanted to start this business up. And if, if you have, you know, there's risk involved in that, isn't there? And, and do you begin as a side business and keep your day job and slowly build this thing? Or do you just, you just go all in? You, you, you sell what you got and you put everything in that business and you launch the thing. It's nearly impossible in life to cut out the risks, right? I mean, you're going to have to make decisions that oftentimes require us to, to stop playing it safe and to choose to take the risk. Decisions actually determine our future. And we've been coming back to this idea. Our decisions will determine our future. Now, not every risk and opportunity is one you should go on, you should move forward on. But this morning, our focus is... Deciding to go in faith when God tells us to go in faith. Each week in this series, we keep coming back to this question of how would our lives look different if we let Jesus 
lead our lives and author our story. And we, we've looked at Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2 each week. And so let's look at it again. The writer of Hebrews writes, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Now, we've worked through these ideas the last few weeks, that in order to start making spiritual progress, we first must stop and lay aside the things that might be blocking our progress. We looked at that last week. There might be hindrances, things in our lives that we're doing that are just weighing us down, uh, that, that maybe we're spending time on the wrong things, and maybe somebody clues us in to say, hey, have you considered if you made this tweak or this shift, you could get more done in life? You could get more done spiritually if you adjusted this. Also, like we looked at last week, there are some, sometimes there's sin in our lives that's just totally blocking our progress. And so if you feel stuck in a rut, last week we, we focused on how to get moving if you feel stuck in your growth. And so if you weren't here, it's, it's on our website or on our podcast. You can listen to that. It was very helpful to, to many of us as we just wrestled through the many areas that keep us from making progress. But notice again in verse 2, our eyes, where are our eyes supposed to be? Yeah, Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the one that leads us forward. We fix our eyes on him. Now, in a race, in, in a real race, you need a place to focus your eyes. Okay, Whether a distance race or a sprint, you need a place to focus your eyes. Sometimes we're tempted to look around. <laughs> Have you seen this picture? It's a great picture, I think. He's, he's blowing the competition out of the water. He's the fastest human on the planet, right? And this guy is, he is fast. He has enough time to look around and smile for the camera. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. That skill. Look how tall he is. It's amazing. But sometimes we're tempted to look around or look back. Look at, look at others. Some look down. They look at their feet. And it's a costly decision. You get tripped up when you look down, you look at your feet. It's best when you're running to, to not look back or to not look at your feet, but to keep your eyes ahead, fixed on the point. And in the Christian life, if you're going to stay the course and do well in this race, with all the ups and downs that come in life, then fixing your eyes on Jesus is our only solid option. Now here's an example of this from Scripture. This is literally a story about fixing your eyes on Jesus. It's found in Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. So if you want, you can follow along. It'll be on the screens or on your listening guide. But it's, it's a story of Jesus and how, of his disciples. And in this passage, we see this. We see that Jesus leads us to go forward in faith. You see this over and over and over. Jesus leads us to go forward in faith. This story, it's maybe a familiar story for some, might be new for others, but it involves this. It involves a simple lake crossing, which becomes an opportunity for Jesus to teach his disciples another lesson about faith. So take a look at this. Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. This is just after the feeding of the multitudes, or the feeding of 5,000 people through a miracle. So it says this, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, the disciples had just witnessed Jesus multiply five loaves of bread and two fish 
and, fed, and in, in doing so, he was able to feed 5,000 people who were there to hear Jesus' teaching. Jesus is, is, this huge crowd is following him around, and he starts teaching the crowds, and his disciples at a certain point, they see this massive group of people, and they tell Jesus, tell everyone to go home, send the crowds away so that they can eat. It's getting dark. Everyone's going to get hungry. How are we going to feed all these people? And Jesus says, well, what's, what kind of food is, is available? And they find that there's five loaves of bread and two fish. This little boy offers this up to Jesus, and Jesus takes that. He prays, and it multiplies in a miraculous way. And the disciples go around with baskets full or with, with, with enough food to, fill, to, to feed everyone, and then they're able to still collect baskets of, of food for later. This is a huge miracle. And so Jesus, after this happens, says immediately he makes them get into the boat. Now, if Jesus makes you do something after he multiplies five loaves and, you know, two fish, would you do it? Uh-huh. <laughs> Think of the power that he's just put on display when he says, hey, get in the boat, go to the other side, I'll meet you there. Aye, aye. <laughs> you know, they, they're not arguing with Jesus, but he's about to provide them another opportunity to flex their faith muscle. They had just witnessed a miracle. They're about to see another one. And so verse 23, after he had dismissed them, so they get in the boat, they show off the shore. He went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there all alone. Okay, Jesus is still praying on the mountainside. But, verse 24, the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So pretty soon after they get in the boat and they take off, they're on the sea. A violent wind just picks up and it quickly pushes them out into the middle of the, the sea. And from the language, it sounds like they're a few two to three miles offshore. Here's a picture of the Sea of Galilee. It's a good-sized sea, a good-sized body of water, and these violent windstorms would kick up, and it would get frightening for people in, in boats when this would happen suddenly. The waves and the wind are pushing them further and further and further from safety, and they're really the only option at this point is to try to row and, and save their lives. The book of Mark actually describes this same story, and it says that they were straining at the oars. So we get the idea that this is not just like a pleasure you know, experience. They're actually afraid at this point. They're straining at the oars, desperately trying to save their lives. Verse 25, during the fourth watch of the night, okay, the, the night was divided into four watches. You have from 6 to 9, from 9 to midnight, from midnight to 3, and from 3 to 6 a.m. So during the fourth watch is from 3 to 6 a.m. Basically, at this point, they had been battling that storm for what could have been about nine hours. Okay? They're fighting desperately to stay right side up in that boat. And it says this, During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. <laughs> They'd just seen a miracle of Jesus. Jesus says, Get in the boat, go to the other side, I'll meet you there. The storm kicks up. Jesus is walking on the lake out to them. He had not forgotten about them. In fact, he walks through the very danger that was threatening to, this, to destroy them. He walks right up to them. Verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they did what we would have done. They were terrified. They thought, it's a ghost. They, were, they said, and they cried out in fear. They were frightened. Some of them thought they might have just been 
you know, their minds, maybe their minds are playing tricks on them that they thought this was a ghost, but they're freaking out. They're panicking. And what would you be doing? The whole group is, is kind of giving into fear. And then verse 27, but Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid or don't be afraid. And he calmed them by speaking to them. Jesus' words gave them comfort in that moment. Okay. Jesus' words settled some things down for them. Now pause for a moment. Many times in our lives we get into very frightening situations, don't we? Where we do not know the outcome. We can't see how this is going to turn out for us health-wise. Some of you have been in situations where you've been in doctor's visits or you've had hospital. You've been in the hospital laying there and the doctors come in and you don't know what's about to happen or what they're going to say to you. If not you, it's, it's, it's your loved ones. And there's health moments that are frightening. There's safety issues. There's launching kids. There's raising kids that can be frightening. There's relationship challenges. There's financial challenges. There's all sorts of things that come up in life. There's faith steps where God, you just, you sense through your own time in the Bible, or maybe you go to church and something challenges you, and you're like, that sounds a little too risky for me to take that step forward and to trust God at that level. And over and over and over again, I can think of many situations where, where we sensed as a family God was asking us to go forward in faith, and it put us in this kind of a situation. And then God's word would have a calming effect. For me, verses like Matthew twenty-eight twenty, Jesus said, Surely I am with you always. Surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. That has been very helpful for me at points. Another one, Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. There's, there's, there's many verses that God has used. Psalm 121 is another. Uh, it's a psalm that God has used at many points where, where I've just sensed God bringing comfort through his word speaking to me. And you need that. You need that. This is why it's not enough to really just... If you're trying to walk with Christ, but your, your only intake of the Bible is here, that's not going to be enough. You need to internalize Scripture so that God draws it out of you when you find yourselves in frightening moments and situations. But if you ever experienced God speaking to you, God's Word speaking to you to really settle your fears, that's what Jesus is doing here. It is I. It's I. Take courage. Don't be afraid. So back to Jesus and his disciples. Verse 28. Lord... If it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. What's interesting here is this, is that Peter believed it was safer to be with Jesus on the water than it was to be in the comforts of the boat. I I find that fascinating. He really believed it was safer to be in what we would say, wow, that's pretty risky. He thought that was safer to be with Jesus than it is to be in the comfort of the safety of that boat. Take that in for a moment. And Peter, he'd already witnessed the miracles. He'd already seen, you know, mind-bending things happening as he's followed Jesus. And so he's he's saying, you know what? I'm with you. (laughs) I want to get out on the water. (laughs) Yeah, there's risk, but I want to be where you're at. Verse 29, come. Jesus told him, come. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and started coming towards Jesus. He's literally 
walking on water. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand. He caught him. You have little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind, it died down. Then those who were with, who were in the boat, worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. And Peter, he steps out in courage, but then he battles with fear. He's able to do the impossible while his eyes were fixed on Jesus. When he kept his focus on Jesus and locked eyes with Jesus, he's able to walk on water. And, but then for just a moment, this split second, he realized where he was. I'm on the water. And then he, he recognized the risk that was around him. And he started looking around. He took his eyes off of Jesus for just a moment, and he began to sink. His faith got him out of the boat, but he was still weak. You know, this is actually where I find a lot of hope. Because Peter's story, it motivates me. It reminds me, you know, we can take steps of faith, but we're still, we, we still have to battle with fear. We, still, we can take courageous steps forward, but there's still moments after you take that step where you recognize, can I really trust him? And so Peter's story reminds me of my growing need and of our growing need for more faith today and today, or later today, and then again tomorrow. You just keep taking steps of faith. You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Yesterday's faith won't be sufficient for tomorrow's fight. You can't borrow and keep borrowing off of the faith you exercised yesterday. Later today, tomorrow, you, you choose faith. You keep going forward in faith. We keep our eyes fixed on, on Christ. And the need to do that happens over and over. Now, this encounter reminds me of an important principle. Here it is. God never removes the need for faith. God never removes that. If, if, if we're looking for the life that requires no faith, you know, he is not going to lead us there. The Christian life is a faith walk. It's a faith journey. We want sight. We want predictable. We want comfortable. We want foreseeable. But God won't ever remove faith from the equation. In your decisions, think about this. In your, in your major decisions, if you're looking for a way around faith, you're not going to be able to please God. The Bible actually says really clearly, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11.6. So if you, in your decisions, if you're like, well, that's the safe one. No, that's the safe one. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you want to live a life that pleases God, and you want to live a life that is a story worth telling, you take steps of faith. Now, we would love that fail, kind of fail-safe formula. God, can you email me and tell me what's going to happen? Can you text me the plan so I can keep... Oh, okay. You're going to meet a guy, and then this is going to happen. It's going to seem like you're going to lose that job, but just keep going. Oh, okay, you're going to... Don't worry. We're going to try to... We're going to try to you know, go this direction with our family life, and, and, then, and then this is going to happen. Then, you know, in three years, you can count on this. It's, we want that fail-safe plan and formula laid out. God hasn't provided that. Instead, he's provided a guide in Jesus. And Jesus is someone 
who can be fully trusted to walk with us and to lead us day by day, taking steps of faith. So whether you're already a Christ follower or you're considering now committing your life to Jesus Christ, one thing to know is that Jesus will often lead you to step out of your comfort zone and to move in faith, to move forward in faith. Fear and insecurity or just not knowing how it's all going to work out, those things can pin you to your chair in life and just keep you where you are. And if that's the case, what happens is that our life story it gets pretty stale and can get pretty boring. And we just, in our faith life, we just play it safe. But as we go forward and we take steps of faith, doors open up to a whole new storyline. But the new story, it will not be written if we stayed on this side of the door of faith. Eh, it seems like if I went through that, I'd have to trust God. Stay on this side. When I was 25, I was working a sales job for a large Christian ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. I was in a division that our, our ministry provided ministry resources to churches and denominations and just individual Christians that would purchase uh, our products. And so I was traveling and meeting with churches and denominational figures. And, uh, and, and while I was traveling in that job, I interacted mostly with Christians. My job was all about just interacting with church folks, church people, Christian people. And so uh, that was the you know, 9 to 5 or 8 to 5 job, or if I was traveling on the road, that was the interaction. And then I was involved heavily in our church, Church in the Valley in Diamond Bar, which we, we work closely with them still. And again, when I'm at, with that group, it was, it was church people, or at least people that were pursuing God and, and, and trying to get questions answered about God. But I was with a lot of church people at when I was at church or in small groups and while I was at work, I was with a lot of church people traveling to meet with more church people. And, and I was also going through seminary over eight years. Again, more time with church people, Christians. You know, you typically are a Christian if you go to seminary. <laughs> and uh, not always the case, I'm sure, but, but most of the time that's the case. So I found myself with a lot of church people. My pastor, Randy, he challenged me at one point. He said, Josh, I know you want to plant a church someday. If you're ever going to plant a church that reaches people, then you need a lot more interaction personally with not yet Christians. You just need to get around a lot, a lot more not yet Christians. You get around people who are not following Christ. This really bugged me. Because in order to make that happen, he was saying, I was going to need to get out of this kind of comfortable place I'd been in and, and kind of the bubble around me, the safe bubble, needed to be popped so I could kind of be a part of some different environments where I could get around people who actually needed Jesus. And so I started praying and asking God, God, would you, would you show me the opportunities around me? Would you help me to step out and take opportunities? Would you give me some ideas? One idea was go start going to lunch with your buddy, DJ. So my, my friend DJ worked for a company, Bausch and & Lomb, and his workplace was pretty close to my house. And so I would meet him since I had a home office with my traveling job. Then I would meet him for his lunch break at just local lunch places. And he would invite his coworkers and we would just get to know his coworkers together. And we made that a routine. Well, a couple guys came to Christ through just us working together and sharing our lives and learning about them, them learning about us. We begin to share our, our faith with those guys Another opportunity came around the same time. I was uh, playing, I went to this softball complex called Big League Dreams. It was in Chino Hills. They had just built this huge uh, facility there off the 71 freeway, and there's six 
major league replica ballparks. And then there's two sports bars at this place. And I went there to hit some um, balls in the batting cages when a buddy of mine came to visit. And I wanted to show him this, this place because we used to play a lot of softball when we were in college. And while I was there, it was like the Lord said, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. And I was like, uh. And I could see that the parking lot was full of cars. There was probably a 1,000 guys you know, playing baseball from games starting at 5 o'clock all the way up to 10 at night every day of the week. And that parking lot was full and packed. You know, you got, you got an opportunity there. And, and it, was, it occurred to me, I need to get in this interaction here. And so myself and a few friends from our church, we, we decided let's either form a team or join a team. And so we decided, let's, let's form a team. And when we were sorting through this issue, we learned that from the management, hey, there's a church, there's a church league that plays here on, on Sunday nights, and you can play in the church league. And they, play, they use this field. And we were like, well, that, that's not really the point for us. And, and we wrestled with it. And as we started talking to people, uh, some folks were like, well, if you guys... We, we, we thought, well, let's play on a different night. We'll play just in the normal men's leagues, and we'll play Tuesday nights. And we started getting a little bit of flack from some folks. Like, you guys are going to miss out on, or we're going to, if we do this, we're going to miss out on the Christian fellowship of that church league. And other, another person I remember saying, well, everyone is, is kind of rough. Because there's, there's a sports bar, people start drinking, and gets a little rowdy. And so everyone is a little kinder on the Christian night, on the Christian league night. And so if we just play on the church league night, then you don't have to deal with the attitudes, you don't have to deal with the fights, which we had a few close calls at one point because of the, because, you know, it get, it's intense in playing softball. And you don't have to deal with the drunk softball players, you don't have to deal with the drunk softball fans, which sometimes can be worse than the drunk softball players. And so just play the church night, and we wrestled through this issue, but again, we decided, no, let's play Tuesday nights because that's the reason we're here, to reach people and to meet people. Those who don't yet know Christ. Now, this is what Jesus said. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is a major part of the mission of the Christian life. This is an area where God constantly ought to be nudging us to get out of our comfortable, safe zone. Our circles. I'm all for Christian fellowship. You need, you need to walk with wise people and do life with wise people because the companion of fools will suffer harm. So who you run with in life will impact your future. But if you're only interacting with people who know Christ already, then you're missing the major part of the Christian life. Now, you, you know, we got a lot of grief from church people about our decision to play in the non-church league. And you know who, who gave Jesus the most grief in life? The church people. Did you know that? Jesus got the most flack from who he was willing to interact with from the church people. Why are you interacting with them? Why are you doing it that way? There were people that, that expressed their disapproval because they loved their traditions more than anything. And that whole experience, it led some families who we met to find and follow Christ. Now, this was risky. It was scary, personally, at points. But the Lord just kept nudging us out of what was safe in order to interact with people that needed him, to push past our fears, to share the good news of Jesus with others. And at one point, when I was sharing with one of the first guys who came to Christ through softball, his name was Sean. He's a Los Angeles Police Department officer. We, we've become really close friends. Our families still interact to this day. But this was 15 years ago. 
And when I hit the point where it was very clear it was time to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with him, tell him who Jesus was and what Jesus did to forgive us of our sins and how Jesus wants to lead our lives, I remember sharing with him, I was so nervous. I was literally shaking. <laughs> like, I don't know what he's going to say. I can't. And by the end of my, you know, sharing it with him and saying, well, what do you think? He says, yeah, let's do this thing, you know. Yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Okay. You know, and he, he prays to receive Christ. And then we went to, to go get some food together for lunch. And he gets on the cell phone and he calls his wife. He says, hey, babe, Josh just made me a Christian. And I'm like, that's not exactly true. I shared with him, and he decided for himself, and he said, and you're going to become one too. (laughs) And, you know, she was waiting on her husband. She was waiting on her husband to to lead their family in that direction. And she got in touch with my wife, and my wife the very next day led her to follow Christ. And, and, you know, his eternal destiny was changed forever. This was mainly because a group of guys decided to step out of the safe place and get to know some people and face our fears. And if God is leading you to do something in faith and you refuse to walk through that door to see what he does, then your story won't change. So where do you need to do that? Where do you need to go to decide, I need to go now? If you're a Christ follower, maybe you need to go identify with Christ at work. Find a way to to bring it up that you follow Christ and say, hey, get to know someone intentionally. I've been going to church. You want to come with me? Or our church is having this event. You want to come? You know, or maybe for you the decision to go is to take the initiative to ask a coworker how they're really doing because maybe you've noticed lately that someone at work is a little down or a little upset and you're just like, ah, it's too scary to ask. I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to keep work separate from personal and so I'm just going to play it safe. But maybe God's saying, no, go. Go check on that person and see what's going on. Offer to pray for them. Be concerned. Or maybe it's a friendship or a family relationship right now is messed up in your life, and you're like, eh, it's just to bring it up. I'd just rather deal with the tension. Maybe God's saying, no, go and reconcile. Take responsibility for your part of this problem. Ask their forgiveness if you need to do that, but go. Take initiative. Or maybe God's just nudging you to go help a neighbor. Or you see that someone's working on something, and, and you could help because you know what they're working on. You know, maybe they don't follow Christ, and this provides an opportunity for you to share the good news of Jesus Whatever it is, or if you're here and you've not yet decided to follow Christ, maybe the decision for you today is, I need to go and meet with someone to clarify how to become a Christian. I really need to take action at this point. And in this series so far, we've looked at three decisions that we can make that allow God to really work with us to write a new story in our lives. The decision to start, the decision to stop, and now today the decision to go. And so the decisions you make today... They determine, the, they determine the stories that you will tell tomorrow. It's up to you to decide. God, the way God works, he, he will not force you in this area. It's up to you to decide. Will you follow God's lead and let him write your life story? At the bottom of your listening guide, you'll notice one next step. And this is for you. Get real personal. My next step today is to go and fill in the blank. I don't know what God is saying to you. What's that area? Where you sense, here's the step of faith. The first step would be this. Go and, what, what is that for you? What's God saying to you this morning? Let's pray and ask him to speak real clearly to our minds. Father, we pray.
for clarity as we wrestle through this issue personally. We love you. Many of us here, we decide to follow you with our lives. Just as the disciples left and followed Jesus, Lord, we've done that. We've, we've left going our own way in life. We've decided to follow Jesus and begin the faith journey. And God, you keep leading us to, to decision points, even crisis points, where we recognize this would require greater faith. So God, would you help us to have the courage to step forward in faith and to go do what you ask us to do. For those that are here that, that have not yet yielded their lives to you, we pray for them right now, Lord, that you would continue to draw their hearts. Thank you, God, for this season of new life that you've been bringing into our church. You're bringing more and more guests, people who, who've come through invitation, people who've come through seeing signs. Lord, you're at work, and we just praise you for what you're doing. We thank you, Lord. Would you continue to help us to stay effective and to be on the edge of faith, Lord, in how we do what we do here, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.